Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey, what's up, Blazer fans? Welcome to the Blazer's Edge podcast, part of the Almighty Baller Radio Network. I'm Tara Bowen-Biggs, and I'm joined, as always, by Blazers outsider Facebook Live star, Danny Meringue. How you doing there, buddy? Um, I'm doing great. And, you know, through our, our mutual contacts and our our, our, our shared agent, we, we're able to bring in uh, our good buddy, uh, Kelly O'Coin. Oh, my God. Well, just to make sure that you're not getting too big for your britches, we did call in an even bigger star today. Yep. Uh, for those who don't know him, Kelly has an extensive resume in theater, television, and movies. Blazers Edge listeners might know him as Dollar Bill in Showtime's Billions and Pastor Tim in The Americans on FX. You can also find him playing Assistant Attorney General in the new movie The Post with Meryl Streep and Tom Hanks. Okay, can we just sit here for a minute with the fact that we're talking to somebody who is in a movie with Meryl Streep and Tom Hanks? How amazing is that? <laughs> That's crazy. Well, but anyway, with all of these acting credits under his belt, your IMDb biography states, in the first sentence, Kelly is a proud Oregon boy and a Portland Trailblazers fanatic. And I think that's amazing. And I'm so excited that our mutual love of Trailblazers has brought us all together today. So welcome to the show, Kelly. Thank you. I love listening to you guys. So this is a lot of fun. I appreciate it. We're glad to have you. And you were just about getting ready to tell us your Ramblin' Rod story. So let's go <laughs> ahead and hear it. Yes, the scintillating Ramblin' Rod story. For people well, who might not know who Ramblin' Rod is, maybe you better start from the beginning. Yeah, well, Ramblin' Rod had. Well, this all started because Tara had said, uh, "Oh my God, I'm on. Uh, I'm I'm, have, I'm on a. I'm interviewing. I'm, I'm on a podcast with two TV stars. I've never even been on Ramblin' Rod, and that just took me back to my childhood. It immediately uh, flashed Ramblin back Rod, to Ramblin' Rod. Oh yeah, it was like the, Ramblin' Rod was this dude uh, who had a. Um, I think it was an early afternoon. Maybe it was a morning, um, after school or Saturday cartoon type of thing, where he had a bunch of kids in the audience and he would talk to them and show them cartoons and I don't remember much else except he would he had this sort of fake boat that sort of slowly <laughs> brought him onto the set and slowly brought him off but when I lived in Forest Grove there was a little restaurant called Ramblin' Rods and uh, I for some reason I'm not the brightest bulb I didn't put it together that Ramblin' Rod could actually be Ramblin' Rod but I, I was hanging out getting a soft serve ice cream cone and all of a sudden he, Ramplin' Rod himself, like, leans out the window, and he's like, hey, how you doing? You want sprinkles on that? And like, <laughs> yes, Mr. Rod. Uh, but it, just, it blew me away that I was actually seeing this uh, celebrity at Ramblin' Rod's, and that <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know why I didn't put it together uh, in Oregon that something called Ramblin' Rod's would actually be owned by him. But 
again, not a not a particularly bright man. Do you want some sprinkles Me, on that? Him. I'm just going to work that into anything I can from now on. That'll that'll be my my catch line. Well, well that that's what happens when a python swallows a porcupine. Yes, and you just made you Tara's week. <laughs> you guys are the best. Well, before we get into you know the regular interview that uh, that I had all planned out, there was some breaking news last night, and I really want your guys's opinions on this. So last night on Twitter, Myers Leonard tweeted that Pat Connaughton thinks that Step Brothers sucks. Did you guys see that? Yeah, the what movie. Did you think? Yeah. Yes. That's which oh, is yeah. Patty Concon. Right? I don't know. I don't even I no, don't even know what to think about this. Like I'm the unofficial brothers of, of the Pat Connaughton fan club. So I, I oh, may yeah. I may I'm, need to step aside and you know and like, I, I don't I don't know if I can continue leading that with that take. He needs a stern talking to or a strongly worded letter, something some other cliche that will shake him out of this. Uh no, uh, I, I'm a big fan of of, uh, of Step Brothers. And Dan Soder, who plays Mafi on our show, who is a stand-up comedian, um, says it's the funniest movie ever made. So, you know, he's an expert. He does comedy for a living. Well, that, that's yeah. undeniable. I mean, that, that right there, that's that's pretty much sentencing Pat Connaughton. Right? Yeah, like, yeah, sorry, Pat. Saying you don't like Step Brothers is like saying you don't like, I don't know, like... Wizard of Oz or something. I mean, like, it's, you Ooh. don't say that. I, am, am I not supposed to say that? Or Groundhog Day. <laughs> oh, you don't like Wizard of Oz? Uh, there's a hot take for you. Not a Wizard of Oz <laughs> fan. I am so done with this interview. <laughs> okay. Can, All right. I'm gonna, I'm we're gonna, three minutes I'm in. We're getting big timed already. I love it. <laughs> yeah, guys. I'm going to have to go. <laughs> I'm out of here. Okay. Oh, uh, well, let's let's go ahead and rein this back in and start okay. it off more like a normal interview. So I'll I'll ask the first question, but Dan, chime in. So tell us when and how you became a Blazer fan. Uh, I became a Blazer fan um, when uh, I was growing up in Forest Grove. My dad was teaching me how to play basketball in the hoop in the driveway, and I remember um, I've said this before, but. Um, I swear to God, it's true. I remember vividly a LaRue Martin game. If you remember LaRue Martin, he was the first of our problematic centers. Um, he, I think he was the first round pick in 1971, maybe, maybe 70, maybe 72. Um, and I was, so I was, I was five years old and I was watching TV with my dad and it was a basketball game and there was this huge band just like wreaking havoc on the court. And I remember thinking, oh, he's good, right, dad? And, um, and my dad said something along the lines of, well, if he had played like that even a second time over the course of this season, then we would have been good. <laughs> so, um, but for whatever reason, I still, I, I, it still brought me in, even though we were a terrible team. I didn't know anything about stats or, or standings. I just knew that um, my dad was really into this, this team. Uh, and then when we moved, when my dad, my dad was elected to Congress in 1974, <clears throat> And we moved to D.C., Washington, D.C. in uh, 75. And the next year, the Blazers, Bill Walton got healthy and the Blazers uh, hired Jack Ramsey. And we know what happened next. And so I, it, this little, this nine, ten-year-old kid um, trying to deal with uh, having moved to the big city from, from small town Oregon, 
um, got a little taste of, uh, of Oregon. It felt like Oregon was following me and they won the championship. And um, I was a fanatic from that point on. So what did your what did your peers uh, think of this kid who came from all the way on the other side of the country and was talking about some team that maybe they hadn't even really heard of before? Yeah, um, there were a few that didn't exactly know what Oregon was. Let alone mm-hmm. a trailblazer? So, yeah, it was like it's right above California was pretty much how I had to start every conversation. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you can imagine that there were a number of people who didn't know that the that Oregon had a team, um, but I would play it. I, I would I would always shoot baskets with my friends, grade school friends, down the street at the Macomb Playground. And uh, I do remember when we were down 0 and 2 in the 77 series, um, I started getting picked on. I don't know why kids do this, but it was like <laughs> it was like they were. I guess they were taunting me because they thought it was funny, but uh, as if I were actually on the team. I was like, you you suck. I was like, well, I'm not actually playing the game. <laughs> but uh, And then when the game went back and won the next four, uh, the four, uh, the next four games, um, I was able to load it over them a little bit. <laughs> I was able to do the exact same thing, only I felt better about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, here I was just saying, I don't know why kids do that. And I was like, well, yeah, I did it, but... <laughs> It's because I could. Absolutely. That's probably the answer. Uh, but that was great. It was, uh, it, people, they were shocked. They were absolutely shocked. And D.C. is relatively close to Philadelphia. A lot of people had actually seen games in Philly. And um, everyone knew Dr. J was and George McGinnis and Dawkins and Doug Collins. They all knew those guys. It, they it seems- they heard of Phil Walton. And that was all. Huh. It seems like following the Blazers was probably a pr- kind of a cool way for you to stay in touch with back home. I mean, because, oh, yeah. you know, you did, did you, you, you know, moved as a family to Washington, D.C., but you didn't live there all the time, right? Because he still had to represent Oregon. So you still also lived in Oregon. And I imagine that was kind of a way for you to kind of keep your feet in both places. We actually did live full time in Oregon. My dad was back, uh, I mean, excuse me, in D.C. with mm-hmm. family. Um, my dad was back in Oregon probably 10 days out of every month, mm-hmm. sometimes more, obviously, and sometimes less, but on, on average. So almost half the time, which was hard, I know, on my mom and dad and uh, a little on us, too, when we were growing up. But um, we would go back and spend all the summer, so at least two, two and a half months were spent um, back in Oregon, cons- you know, consistent blocks. Uh, and then we'd go back for a lot of holidays and during election years, of course, uh, my mom was spending a lot of time out there, too, because she campaigned with my dad. Um, but the Blazers were actually one of the ways my dad and I um, maintained our connection. Mm-hmm. When he'd come back, we would go to the Capitol Center and watch uh, the Blazers play the Bullets. Um, and actually, they only came once a year, so we'd go to a few other Bullets games, and that's when I became somewhat of a, of a Bullets fan as well. Um, and Interestingly, the Bullets won the championship the year after the Blazers did. And can you imagine, like, a nine yeah. year old boy thinking, oh, God, all I have to do is root for a team and they win championships. This is fantastic. <laughs> boy, were you surprised the rest of your life. <laughs> oh, my God. It set me up. It's just it's such a pain. How much you guys, that's what before? happens when a python tries, tries to swallow a porcupine. <laughs> That is exactly what happens when a python tries to swallow a porcupine. I actually, I had a note to ask a note to ask you if um, are the Washington Wizards currently the East Coast version of the Trailblazers? 
Um, well, I, I guess that's possible. Um, I, I don't really follow the Wizards as much as I used to. Um, it's just a, it's just a little bit of a pain in the ass. But um, uh, I also am waiting for them to change their name back to the Bullets because the Wizards is the worst possible name yeah. for an NBA franchise. I was going to have you, you qualify. The, uh, you said you're a Bullets fan. We, we have a, a, a listenership that varies in age, and I'm, I'm wondering how many people <laughs> we have who listen to the podcast who, who know that the Bullets are actually still in existence under a different name. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's a very good question. Oh my God. I feel old now. <laughs> that's, I, I, that's what I was thinking. I'm sitting here like, you know, it's been a while since they changed to the wizards. Uh, yes, there, there are probably people alive listening to the podcast that don't realize that they used to be the bullets. Uh, thanks man. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's what I'm here well, yeah, for. Because when Michael Jordan actually played, for the Washington basketball franchise, they were called the Wizards, and that was a that was a long time ago now. Mm-hmm. Do you remember that? Yeah, yeah I, I, it's so easy to forget that Michael Jordan played for the it the actually Blizzards actually played oh, well. There we go, Blizzards. I can go with that. <laughs> yeah, it sounds an awful lot well. like the Blazers. <laughs> he played okay. very well. He actually he he was more of a of a jump shooter, but uh, he was doing great until he went down, and the Bullets were um, were right in the the middle of the. Of the conversation for um, for Eastern champion, yeah, forty year olds out there. I don't know. Him, him you, and you understand what I meant by that? That's that that sentence made no sense. But no, <laughs> I'm I'm, I'm very much used to it. I, I don't make sense ever. So and yet here we are. <laughs> <laughs> well, we had time for a little bit more nostalgia. What were what were some of your favorite teams, Kelly? Oh man, I loved the. I love the 77 um, championship team. I love it. I mean, it was mm-hmm. the most beautiful basketball. We, you look, I watch games now, uh, or I've watched them recently on um, um, ESPN Classic, and just the movement is amazing. Um, I loved the, I, I, I was, I'm a kind of obsessed with 70s NBA, uh, even though half of the players were probably you know, on Coke while they're wild, literally while they were playing. Uh, it's still, there was something really free and, and, um, and kind of strange about it, you know, like. Imagine Darryl that, Dawkins. coked up players are free and strange. <laughs> yeah, you're right. I'm, I'm making that sound like I'm surprised. It was weird. They were all drugged up, but somehow they were also strange. <laughs> Uh, I, I love the bullets. Uh, Wes Unseld and Bobby Dandridge was this. Uh, I, I don't know if people are even going to remember Bobby Dandridge, but he was just he was so smooth. And uh, on a team that had Elvin Hayes and um, Wes Unseld, he was kind of overlooked, but he was like the the best third um, third star for that team. Um, and the, overall, the team played drastically differently than the um, than the Blazers did. It was a lot more one on one stuff. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I love them. And, um, I, who else? There was a period of time when I was kind of a golden state fan, but I just can't, I can't do that anymore at this point. It's really just, Oh, and also when I came to, when, right after I moved to New York, um, I was a, uh, uh, a Knicks fan because Patrick Ewing was there. And when I was playing high school basketball in DC, uh, Ewing was, uh, was playing college ball at, uh, at Georgetown. So when he came to, uh, when he came to the Knicks, I started following them, and I love those teams. And See, that I would have been particularly fun. love that. Like, yeah, that, that oh, era of great. hoops and, and those guys, the '83, '84 draft classes. That's 
just incredible. Yeah, just incredible. And I, but but then also with um, we had a a little storybook um, season when we were the eighth seed. And we beat Miami. We, I don't know why I'm saying we, the Knicks <laughs> were uh, um, the eighth seed. We beat Miami on an Allen Houston shot, and you know, I don't know if you remember that bounced straight up and then down as the butter sounded, and the Knicks went all the way to the championship series and lost in, in five to uh, San Antonio. But but that was exciting too. So I've had some I've had some fun teams I followed. So to bring it back to the Blazers, who yep. were some of your favorite players of, over the years? I'm guessing there's a bunch of guys in those uh, 70s teams. And how about like in yeah. the 80s and 90s? I love Terry Porter. Mm-hmm. I just, I love that guy. In Wisconsin, Stevens Point. And he just, like, I just, I love that guy. I love Jerome Kersey. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I kind of felt like Wes Matthews was mm-hmm. our more recent version of that guy, mm-hmm. um, and I loved him. Um, of course, you know, uh, of course, you love Clyde Drexler as well. I didn't have quite the emotional attachment to him, which was interesting. Um, I like, uh, I think, it's just because I like the underdogs a little bit more, or I, I feel more of a uh, connection to them. I did love Bill Walton, um, and I one of my prized possessions is the I, I I saved as a kid I saved two copies of the Sports Illustrated when the Blazers won the one that says Blazers all the way, um, and when I was doing a play in San Diego, I was told that Bill Walton <gasps> comes to see these shows a lot, um, oh, and so wow. the next time the next year I did a show there again and I brought my one of my sports illustrated and uh i just kept it <laughs> you just brought it every 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 I show it, i just had it in my dressing room and um at one point one of the kids came um one of the, the young people one of the young actors came back and said but what was in the audience <gasps> and i was like do not f with me <laughs> it's like no i swear he's here he's here and so i went running out uh my wife happened to be visiting and seeing that show and she saw it too so when I, she saw him too when I came running out, she was like, Bill Walton's here. And I was like, I know, I know. <laughs> Where is he? And, and sadly, she's like, well, he's in no danger of outrunning you. So I think, <laughs> I think we're safe. I know it was a, it was a dark joke, but. Um, when we get all behind. Right. Uh, but he was, there he was. He was coming down the ramp and he was a very, very tall gentleman. You might have uh, you might have noticed. He probably uh, stuck out. <laughs> he stuck out, but he was and skinny, just like skinny as a rail. Hmm. But um, I there's a picture of me with him, and I didn't. <laughs> I changed in the dressing room. I didn't even get my collar down. You know, I looked like a mess, and my face is all red, and I'm greening. Like literally, the sides of my smile go beyond uh, the edges <laughs> of my ears. face. <laughs> uh, and he signed it. Um, and I have it up, but I'm actually staring at it right now um, on the wall here in, the, in my office. Oh, that's awesome. I love the idea of you taking that with you every single day for when he shows up. That's so <laughs> great. That's persistence, you know? Yes. That's, that's persistence. Nice job. Yeah. Well, oh, and let- last one, Maurice yeah. Lucas. Loved Maurice Lucas. Mm-hmm. Okay, we're, we're talking yeah. about all-time favorites here. I, I've got to get your, your thoughts on this. Where do you rate Dame right now? Oh, man. Um that's really hard because it, it, it's I'm 
I tend to be a glass half full guy. I tend to think that this team is a fantastic team, no matter where we are. And it just, uh, it just is going to take a couple tweaks to turn us into a championship contender. So I, I know I, I, I see things through rose colored glass, uh, glasses, but I, I'm not, I, I don't know how to rate them. I think you need perspective. The same thing happened with B-Roy. Um, you need a little perspective, uh, but I, I would rate him very high, partially um, because of his impact on the franchise and the um, and his commitment to the franchise. I think that's huge. Um, and he's a great leader, and he's I, I rate him up there. He's in the pantheon, you know? He's on the Mount um, Rushmore for you? At least he... I'm, gonna, I'm going to... I'm going to I'm going to kind of wuss out and say <laughs> that no current member can be on the Mount Rushmore. A- active members <laughs> you know, are not allowed. No active members. Okay. Uh, we need a little perspective. So that's I'm saving myself. Uh, I know it's I a cop you. out. But uh, you know, you probably would put Walton, Lucas, uh, Drexler and god, who else? For me, it's Brandon. Stay, oh, yeah. I guess it would have to be Brandon. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. So, I mean, but that's that's, that's, you, that's my era, so. Yeah. I don't know. I I cannot be asked to pick favorites. That's just a bad thing. She's, it, she's it just allergic ends badly to with me in tears. No, I... She, <laughs> stop it. Allergic to what? <laughs> uh, oh, she's, she's allergic to excellence. She has this. She has this new thing that she's she's pushing for. She wants to be more about excellence. I'm and I'm here my, for it. 2018. For me, 2018 is the year of exploring excellence and trying to figure out what excellence is all about. Because it's not been something that I've typically ascribed to. I have been. I've always ascribed to. You um, follow your heart and you do what you love and you do it with everything. But then there's all these people who are like, but no, it's not just that. It's hard work. It's excellence. And so I'm like, okay, so what is this excellence all about? And I've been studying it and I find that it's just seems to be like being like Dan and being crappy all the time. But anyway, (laughs) (laughs) but I do have a question at being crappy. Well, no, he's somebody who, who believes in excellence and loves excellence. And I actually, the thing that I love is chaos, which I'm trying to decide whether or not chaos is the opposite of excellence. So like when Al Farouk Aminu gets the ball under the basket in a defensive rebound and he tears on down to the other end, I'm going, yes, yes, yes. And everybody else is going, Oh my God, no. So that's the difference between me and Dan. And that's the difference. She's screaming. Yes. And I'm saying, please God, please God. (laughs) Right. Right. (laughs) Well, that's interesting. Um, because I love chaos, and I know yeah. it, I know everybody's standing there just going, "Oh my God, what's going to happen?" And I like to see what happens. <laughs> uh, that's the part that's interesting to me is what happens when things go off the rails. So, yeah. speaking of going off the rails, uh, <laughs> to bring it back, no, but that, that's a very interesting. But that is a very interesting point, and it's one of the. the uh, it's it, it's interesting in acting, um, if, especially in live theater. If something goes off the rails, sometimes. Um, Sometimes something magical can happen that is much more interesting than anything you could have possibly planned. Even the most brilliant, excellent writer or director could have planned. And uh, not just with acting, but any live performance. My wife's a dancer, and she's talked about stuff like that as well. It's the essence of of improv as well. Mm -hmm. 
Um, oh my God, you get me. <laughs> but, I, but I also don't think the two are mutually exclusive. You can, you can be excellent at. Um, it's kind of like the. Okay, remember with the Drexler Blazers. Um, one of the knocks was that they couldn't. That they had to be, they had to rely on their athleticism and the running down the court and the split-second decisions. And somehow, um, because they weren't quite as good when they were just pounding it in, somehow that meant that they were not as good. Mm -hmm. uh, but it was just a different skill. They were excellent at what they did, uh, and they worked hard to actually hone those instincts so that they could kind of uh, that they, they that they could uh, in a split second blink of an eye without really thinking they could adjust to a situation and 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 excel am i pushing this too hard no no <laughs> oh no you I, can I go on all day with this if i you just want. don't think they're necessarily mutually exclusive which is no i don't think that they're necessarily mutually exclusive it's just that excellence isn't something that i has ever really your excellence in quotation marks, I'm doing like the little bunny ears things, hasn't really resonated with me that much because I'm always looking for, like like you were talking about improv, like I, I you know, that, that I have a more of an affinity towards that type of thing and seeing if you can adapt and be creative in certain situations rather than I don't want to go spend the time putting in the reps because I'm lazy fundamentally. So what I'm trying to decide is if I put in the work, can I, you know, bring things up to a higher level by putting in the work, which is like, sounds really stupid that it's taken me this long in life to sit down and go, Oh, it's about putting in the work so that I can be excellent in, you know, both in, in situations that are going according to plan and in situations that are not going according to plan. And speaking of things, not going according to plan, okay. <laughs> leave it to me to get it off the rails. <laughs> oh, you wish Dan it was you. Um, so I just want to know if it's confusing having a co-star named Damien on your set because you have a Damien and Billions. That would drive me crazy. Please tell me you call no, him Dame. It's, uh, it's funny. Actually, just recently, I was like Dame. I called him Dame for the first time. Yes. I was thinking, there's no way he's he's British. There's no way he knows who he does, probably does. He wouldn't know basketball if it came up and bit him in the shin. Probably. Oh, so but, disappointing. Uh, I have to, uh, at some point, without sounding weird and creepy, I have to tell him that one, you know, he shares a name with one of my favorite players ever. Uh, but yeah, it, it, so yeah, I, I hadn't, weirdly hadn't put that together um, until I just slipped and said Dame like a month ago. <laughs> did, did he respond? And you tap, did you tap your wrist? <laughs> yeah, and he looked at me strange and was like, ah, you don't understand. I just left. <laughs> Um, no, he, I mean, yeah, he did. He did respond. Um, I, I, I heard someone else call him Dame, um, afterwards as well. Maybe I started to trend or maybe it's something he's always called. And I just hadn't been paying attention. Oh man. Uh, be but. sure that you get credit for that trend if it starts, because in my experience, when you start a trend by calling somebody by a special name, say like Dan or Danny, suddenly it takes off uh, and people forget who well, it was who started well, it let, in the let, first place. Let's let's be honest here. It wasn't. It was Ben who called me. My called me Danny. So, so, sorry, sorry, you had, sorry, you had to deal with I this. I could have just let it slide, Danny. <laughs> I could have just let it slide. And okay, but I want to turn to the current. I want to turn to the current Trailblazers. Kelly, how okay. are you feeling about the current team? Are they where they are, where you thought they would be from the beginning of the year? I. On certain nights, they are. Um, <laughs> I, um, I again, I, I uh, like I say, I, I tend to be really optimistic um, 
all the time and <laughs> not all the time when the season's over generally, and then I get disappointed, but, um, I, there, there's some, there's so many exciting and lovely developments. I love, you know, Pat Connaughton breaking out Shabazz breaking out. Like those are, those are thrilling in and of themselves and on the, on the, you know, the, the small sort of individual levels. I, I do admit that I, uh, I, I was expecting the record to be better at this point and a little more consistency, but, um, I, I, I'm not, I'm not, I, I'm trying not to swear, but I'm not, um, uh, kidding when I say I, I, it feels like just a little tweak here and there and they can compete with anybody. Maybe I, I, I uh, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe uh, it's the rose-colored glasses again. But um, do we have some really interesting parts? Um, where are you seeing at, the tweaks at? See, that's the thing. That's the part where I realize I'm not I'm not a, a great objective analyst because um, I'm just like you know the the tweak would be well if only he was shooting better tonight. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not exactly. Um, riveting analysis. I, I do think that we probably, uh, we, we need to, we need to get somebody who, uh, and I'm not trying to, I also like these guys and I don't, that's, I don't the, that's the part about the, the, the entire thing that, that always sucks. Yeah. Is that, but it, I, he, but I do think we need a little more consistency and power forward, yep. you know, the, um, the critical analysis of guys that you really like always sucks. Yeah. It Cause, does. Cause it does. As frustrating as this team has been up and down this year, last year, whatever you want to talk about, I don't think anybody would ever argue that this is a bad team to root for. Like everybody on this team from the first to the last guy on the roster is a good dude in, in multiple facets and they're fun and easy to root right. for. And I think that makes it yeah. really difficult. Kind of like not even for those who are like me who don't have rose colored glasses. Like I, when right. I say something critical of somebody, it's not because I don't like them, because legitimately every one of these guys I love. But yeah. basketball-wise, there are things that don't quite come together. The chemistry issue. Um, yeah, it, and, you know, Jack Ramsey talked about it, and Isaiah Thomas talked about it um, before he became. He wasn't particularly good at this as a general manager, but um, <laughs> about how you get rid of talent sometimes that just doesn't superior talent that doesn't necessarily fit with, um, with as well as someone with maybe a little bit less talent, but who fits well into the scheme of what you want to want, uh, what you, uh, how you want to play. Um, certainly Jack Ramsey did that with the Blazers and, um, and, uh, who was the general manager of, of the, who put the Isaiah Dumars, Minnie Johnson Pistons together. Do you remember? Uh, Chuck Daly was the coach. I don't think he was the, yeah. GM, the, the, the people who put that team together put together players that were, you know, a couple of them were, were brilliant, but um, most of them were just good players and they just fit. Um, you know what I mean? Yeah, no, That's, I mean, we don't together. have oh, that. It was McCloskey. No, we don't Jack have McCloskey. that. Is what I, yeah, right. Okay, great. Um, so it would be interesting to find, instead of, I mean, we've, we've often been focused on um, finding that superstar. But maybe it's not as much that, you know, maybe we need just somebody who who fits better. Um, and I don't know exactly what that is. I do think it, it centers around the power forward position. Um, but uh, 
but I couldn't tell you exactly what's I'd love to see more defense. I'd love to see uh, a little uh, uh, an inside game or a, you know, if Myers, God, if Myers could put it all together, I just, I, I want him to succeed so badly, mm-hmm. <laughs> partially because he's his, his potential skill set is exactly, exactly what, what they need. need. Yep. And that's that's um, that's the frustration uh, for me. I'm sure you've you've heard me talk about him in the past. There's, it's no secret that I love the kid. Yeah, yeah. Like, like I, I want to see him succeed for for his own good, if nothing else. Um, yeah. But yeah, when when you and it's actually kind of funny. I was I was just going to ask you what do you think about the guys that aren't getting out there right now. In, in Myers, I, I wonder if it's ever going to happen here at this point. Like if it feels like it's it's kind of you know, writing on the wall time for him, um, which sucks as, as a fan of his. But um, when you look up, yeah. and down, when you look up and down this roster, like who, who's the guy that you think um, can still give Portland more? Um, good question. Uh, I, I think on the positive side, I think both, um, I think both Connaughton and Aminu can, and I think they're trending the right direction. Um, if watching, uh, and there was there, there have been some interesting articles uh, on Blazers Edge about it. Uh, Aminu's game is really seems to be legitimately um, evolving. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a bigger sample size now, and I think, uh, and so I'm, I'm I'm very interested to see what. Uh, what he brings. I think Noah Vonley is another one of those guys. And I just like, I, how can he not be putting it together more? I, 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 on certain nights, I just, he looks, I won't go so far as to say brilliant, but he looks great. And then he just doesn't have that consistency. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I, I, um, I keep thinking that, (laughs) <laughs> this is the fan in me. I keep thinking that uh, that big turn, that big change, that the corner. Oh, you're um, going to say turn the corner, aren't you? Is it's just around <laughs> the corner. <laughs> it I, is Dan. I, like that. Well, I mean, that phrase just from from the media here in general is basically yeah. like anytime any one of us utters it now, it's just like, oh god, yeah. not again. <laughs> I don't know. I know. But, well, how many times have people said that about uh, about Myers? Yeah, it's like I think he's turned the corner, and, and then and he doesn't he play over the next six too. games. And you're just like, uh, oh boy. I know, but I so, love. I mean, but yeah, go ahead. I'll, I'll I'll stop rambling. Go ahead. No, I was just gonna say we haven't um, talked about Nurkic yet, and yeah. uh, how, what are your thoughts on what he's brought to the team this year, and what do you think is is the secret to getting? unlocking like power Nurk <laughs> that comes in and just like wrecks everything <laughs> in his path. Is it simply just punching him in the face or is there something else? I swear to God, I think that dude might be slightly crazy. So I would never punch him <laughs> in the face. Um, no way. The seven foot dude from Bosnia might be a little bit crazy. <laughs> uh. Uh, I, you know, I think, wasn't it Ben Goliver who wrote an article about him? Yeah. He um, had the big feature place, piece. Yep. Yeah. And so it it was an interesting thing where you talked about the fact that the guy didn't grow up with basketball. He didn't Mm -hmm. grow up loving basketball. He, he learned to love it um, more recently. And that that maybe in his supposition was that maybe that 
made it difficult for him to tap into the passion that um, that he that all players at, the, at this level need to be to be great. Um, and we kind of saw a lot of that last year, right after he came over. But he had a chip on his shoulder. You know, he had something to prove, and uh, maybe maybe getting him pissed off every game <laughs> would help. Uh, but look, I, I, I think that he's actually done pretty well. I, I want, obviously want more consistency, but if we, if we hadn't had such high expectations based on how well he played last season, if he had just come over and played this well in that initial trade, I think we would all be very happy. So I, I um, he's at this point, he's not the, um, He's not the, uh, the superstar we thought we had, but I still think that's possible. I think uh, he's still relatively young, no, he, especially he's, he's in terms of young. basketball years. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I have a, I legitimately think he could be one of the, one of the. It's, I think it's easy to say one of the better centers in the league. I don't. I don't think you're wrong by by any means. As far as as far as pure talent goes. Um, yeah. We've seen it a few times this season, um, the uh, the post move that he had the other night, where he caught it, faked to the inside, then hop stepped back to the middle, and, and made it look yeah. like he was you know five ten, one hundred and fifty pounds by how quick and how graceful it was. And, and Tara knows, and we've talked about this a, a ton. Um, when you see that kind of ability, you're just sitting. At least me, I I just you know, jaw drop on the floor because people that big, no matter how athletic they are, are supposed to be able to do that. Like, as we're, as we're recording this, I've got, you know, uh, the EuroLeague on in the background, and uh, Willie Tavares is playing for Real Madrid, you know, one of the top clubs in, in ACB, I mean, outside of the NBA. Tavares, is as good as he is in, in the ACB League, it couldn't make it over here in, in the NBA. I mean, when, when you talk about how guys that – the level of talent uh, that you have to have and have to possess in order to be truly great, I think Nurkic has that, and I think you're you're right on point with um, his love of the game is different. Not that he doesn't have it; it's that he didn't grow up with it. You know, from the time he was two years right. old. It, we're not right. talking about Damian Lillard, who grew up in Oakland with a basketball in his hand, basically from day one. Right. Nurkic was a kid who, at 14, 15 years old, was like basketball. I, I, I can make money doing this. Okay. <laughs> All right. This, this, this looks good. Yeah. And, I, and I think you see that night in and night out. Like how that can, how yeah. it, can, it can change. Yeah. And in terms of, uh, of, of the perceived effort, um, mm-hmm. I'm, I'd be very curious. Uh, is there anything, are there any camps now? Pete Newell always had that, uh, that, that big man. That that's the end big of man the big man camp. camp. Like that when, when yeah, and that's something. So there's nothing. Uh, nothing replace about. that, right? No, there hasn't been anything to replace. The only thing that comes even remotely close to anything like that now um, is Hakeem's private workouts or the there's a private rookie camp um, pre-draft that goes through a lot of that stuff. Um, right. But even then, it's it's become so f- slanted towards the wing position that a lot of the big man stuff has disappeared. But yeah, right. that's that's. I think that's part of the reason why we don't. We, the evolution of the three-point shot and uh, the death of the quote-unquote big man, um, the 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 '80s, '90s, or even early aughts style big man, um, 
has killed some of that. And that's maybe that's why I find Nurkic so fascinating is because he's a callback to that era. But he yeah. also demonstrates a lot of the things necessary in today's NBA. Yeah. I wonder why um, Nurkic isn't shooting. I, I, there was a lot of conjecture early on that the, that Nurkic would uh, shoot maybe even one three-point shot, maybe one attempt to, per game. Uh, that probably wasn't going to happen, but there was some some talk about that. Uh, I wonder how many has he taken this season? He, he really took a few in the first few games, and then he stopped right. real quick. Yes, yeah. I believe That's what been, happened. He, yeah. His jumper it, it is improved. Um, he did yeah. talk about it, and there was a lot of like every summer camp. Um, there's always talk about what you're working on and things of that nature. Uh, he's attempted seven mm-hmm. so far this season. He's over seven. Oh, okay, so he's a little <laughs> off pace. Yeah, but. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, he's he's shot a total of thirteen in his career. He's zero of thirteen. So his next his next make will be his first. Um, <laughs> right. Yeah. But he he is There's kind of no... falling in love with some of those mid range jumpers, especially the deep ones. Um, we right. saw it against well, the, the, what... the Pelicans. He hit a couple of those. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> it's the old adage with Myers: take a step back for the love of God. Quit shooting twenty four. Oh, yeah. Well, that was like with Lamarcus as well. You know, yeah. you wanted. Uh, it's like you could just. God, you could add to your, you could add so much. But, um, yeah, he looked great oh. in that game. I thought he looked great in the, uh, the the Pelicans game. Yeah, watching him go face-to-face, toe-to-toe, however you want to talk about it, with, with Boogie, like, I, yeah. I, I, just sign me up. I, I will take 82 yeah. games yeah. of that every single night. Like, just that that, Absolutely. that competition. And that's what I, I think kind of what you're alluding to as far as the, the, the talent and potential. On the box score, yeah, DeMarcus beat him. But when they went head to head with each other, it was it was two heavyweights legitimately just trading blows. Absolutely. Demarcus Absolutely. dunks on him. Nurkic, Nurkic blocks his shot. They start talking noise back and forth, bumping chests. Like, yeah. I, I want to see that. Yeah. Absolutely. And maybe that would like some sort of fire, something to piss him off. You know, I mean, I, I do worry that he could probably be thrown, but it seems like he probably he gets thrown more when things don't go particularly well early on. And he's mm-hmm. sort of not that, I'm not saying he sulks. I think maybe he just gets into his head and gets down. Um, but if he's a little bit pissed off, he seems to um, he seems to his, the level of his play rises. Yeah, I like him against those uh, traditional, you know, big centers who can look him in the eye and they can look at each other and go, oh, yeah, it's on. I think when he's yeah. got that kind of a situation, he's able to get more uh, involved in the game. I, I feel like he is somebody who relies a lot on external um, motivation. And I, I yeah. feel I think that he gets motivated by that type of situation where there's somebody who's really challenging him, you yeah. know, somebody who's a big name coming in uh, yes yeah do you uh, you guys got anything else you want to say on the Kurt team I have a couple of other questions about kind of like what it's like representing a team when you don't necessarily live in the area and <laughs> how you talk right, about right. it to all of your friends <laughs> well, I guess the last thing I would say about the current team is I just how what a joy is it to watch CJ and Dame uh, the, the, we're, we're really lucky to have those two guys. They're mm-hmm. just, um, whatever, obviously sort of obvious, but obviously obvious, <laughs> uh, but they're pretty extraordinary. Yeah, for sure. I think in, in more ways than just 
their basketball ways. Like we were talking about at the beginning, they're interesting uh, guys. They're interesting people yeah. to root for, mm-hmm. not just because of their basketball skills, but because they do bring so much more. I thought it was really interesting watching CJ struggle earlier this year and him completely maintaining his cool and just playing through it. I feel like he's gotten more back on track lately. I don't know if his shooting, I don't want to say woes, but boy, there were some whoa games in there. Yeah, eight, eight points and nine points and 12 points in a game yeah. for CJ McCollum when you're used to that in a quarter was, was but definitely. You know what's yeah. crazy is it's like it, it, it took him a few years to get there. And then once it started happening, we just assumed it was never, ever going to go away. <laughs> and then when he did have some struggles, it was like, wait, what's this? And, you know, he was able to get it back together. But I think he handled it with handled it with a lot of um, handle it with a lot you, of class. You, you know and why, Tara? It seems like yeah. he's getting back. Why? Because he because of excellence. excellence. <laughs> 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 and when things went off the rails. He just kept doing the same thing that he'd been trained to do through his tra- excellence training. Exactly. Through his excellence training, the excellent excellence training. I've seen yeah, these I think, things together. Well, it was also uh, it was something like you were you were alluding to how how uh, we just as fans uh, grew to expect those types of performances, uh, and it was probably good for us to go through watching him uh, not quite as on as he as he used to be and not panic and he come, he came out the other end looking pretty good. So yeah. Um, interesting journey for a fan too. Oh yeah. Oh, one more question about the, the current team uh, thoughts on the rookies. Uh, I'm, I'm actually, I'm, I'm really up on the, on the rookies. I think they're both, they both have shown, um, have shown uh, 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 some, some great potential. And I, I have to admit early on, I was sucked into the, to the biggie craze. And I was thinking, Oh my God, we got a rookie of the year in our hands. Uh, and I was a little bit worried about Zach, but I've loved watching him play lately. I, I love a guy who's got defensive in, instincts like that. Um, and he's shown a little more offense. It's i uh, I'm, I'm, I'm down with them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. How about you? Dan, guys? what do you think? How I, so, Zach Collins continues to improve. And I think that he, you know, has, has shown that, you know, when he came in, we all, you know, saw how thin and small and, uh, you know, kind of like a little bit like a deer in the headlight. I watched him at summer league and that game, like first game and a half he played, he totally looked like a deer in the headlights, but I've seen him improve a lot and steadily. And I, I have, I believe, you know, part of the reason that he's been doing well is because he's playing alongside Ed Davis, who carries a lot of the weight. I think they're a good matchup. And what Dan would point out is that Ed Davis also has the ability to cover up for any more, any mistakes that he might make as well. But I think that they're a good tandem. And I think it's a, I think it's a good way to bring Zach Collins along. Cause I don't, I don't, I don't know that they are falling farther behind by playing Zach Collins at this point. Dan, what do you think about that? I, I think Mike Richmond nailed it the other day when he discussed not just Zach, not Zach Collins right now, but the growth that Collins has had since summer league. Mm-hmm. Anybody who knows, knows I, I'm not sitting here. You know, I, I don't hate the kid. I just don't think that some of the, he's going to be a star stuff is quite on point. Uh, I think he's going to be a good player, but that stuff aside, I think that Richmond's spot on that his growth since July mm-hmm. to now is, is massive. I don't think it's by any stretch of the imagination. 
strange or difficult to say that he was one of the worst players I've ever seen at Summer League. Like, that, that guy there was, <laughs> was bad. I mean, it was like that was such a disheartening experience. And to see what he's at now, that's such, I mean, it's night and day is, is thrown around all the time as far as, you know, the, the, the growth. But this is about as close to night and day legitimately as you can get. The confidence level that he's playing with, here, here, here's a reference for you, Kelly. It, it looks like he got a WAGS inspirational talk. <laughs> you, know, you know, WAGS kind of pulled him aside and gave him one. That, that's, that, that's, yeah. that's, it's either that or you're spending some time with Wendy Rhodes to, you know, really get, you know, tap into right. what he loved. Um, I was just about to say, I was trying to come up with what I could say on the podcast that WAGS might have told him, but there's nothing. <laughs> yeah, uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing family oriented. I, I have, I have, uh, I have some bleep buttons, but uh. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, uh, maybe Ed Davis is playing that role for him. Maybe, yeah. Maybe he's the wags. Um, uh, that would be great. Of, of, of Zach and how far he's come. When you watched Summer League, did you ever? Would you ever have guessed that he would mix it up and uh, and, and uh, talk trash to? To boogie no, like he did not in a million game. years. Not like when he in grabbed a that ball years. and he kept it, and I was like, "Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> I, I love that." It, it, it got me fired up on Twitter. Like, I yeah. mean, like I was like, "Okay, this this is." Like, I, I've heard people say, "Oh, he's 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 a competitor. He's nasty," and I'm like, "Yeah, you can't be a competitor and nasty at 215 pounds." I'm sorry. It's <laughs> not a thing. <laughs> or uh, do you have to be competitive yeah, and nasty yeah. if you're 250? And that's the thing is like the, the contrast of that is you know. 20 minutes earlier in the game, he tried to big boy Jameer Nelson down in the post. Yeah. And, and, and that didn't he's, work. And that's, then that's not a not shot at Collins. Uh, Jameer Nelson weighs as much, if not more than Zach Collins at a foot shorter. <laughs> trying yeah. to move, yeah. trying to move <laughs> Jameer Nelson off the block at 20 years old when he literally weighs as much as you do with all that leverage. That guy's legs are about as, you know, as long as my wrists. I mean, he, he's <laughs> that guy's a, a absolute wrestler's body. You're, you're not moving him yeah. off his spot. You're not moving him. Yeah. No. So, but I like that he tried. Yeah, that was the thing. Is he, he caught the ball, and I, you can see it coming. He's like, I, I'm sitting there watching it going, he's going to try this. Right. And I, I've got a big smile right. on my face because I know it's not going to happen. But yeah. it's like, okay. This is not, that's not an example of excellence. It's a little more <laughs> an example of chaos Yeah. that, that ended poorly. Yeah. But he tried. <laughs> I'd say with chaos... 75% of the time, the chaos will end in failure, but it'll be a noble failure. 25% of the time, something magical will happen. So good on him for trying. I've also seen Nurkic face up on a guy that he weighs 100 pounds more than, mm -hmm. and instead of dunking it, lay it up. So yeah. <laughs> they, don't all, they don't always do what's expected. This is true. <laughs> true. Um, do you think, just a quick question, so the, uh, you thought he uh, was the worst performance in, uh, uh, that you'd ever seen in uh, From a in blazer, yeah. Wor worse than Nick Batum? Yeah. Nick, even, okay. though he, even though his box score was ugly, you could see the skill. Like you, you could see That's that, funny. I, that, 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 at least to me, like, when I was watching Collins, I'm like, what is he going to do in the NBA? Because he was he was he was so passive, and just such a deer in headlights. You're like, is he going to be able to defend? Is he going to be able to rebound? Is he going to be able to shoot? Like everything he did was so stunted, and, and reactionary. Right. It was like, man, he is gonna be a ways away. 
I, honestly, when I when I saw right. that, I'm like, okay, so Zach Collins is basically the Blazers version of Bruno Caboclo, and he's going to be two years away from being two years away. I'm like, that's fine, but <laughs> like, when, that's what I saw when I saw him on the floor. And I'm just, to see that growth from from there to now is huge. And I, I don't think he's right. a, a, you know crazy good right now. I think he's showing some things now that had he shown these in summer league, um, my opinion would be much better than it is now, if that makes sense. Right. Yeah. Well, it'll be interesting. I'm glad they're playing him as much as they are. I think it's, it's going to help his development. I'll be really curious to see what he's, what he's like next year. It, and, and Tara and I have, I've argued about this back and forth. If the, the plan is basically to play him at the four in the long term. And they, they, because that's what it looks like they're, they're going to do is try to find a way to play them, play him alongside Nurkic in the long term. Then I think then what they're doing is right. Right. If, if they're going to play him, give him all the minutes, you know, as many minutes as he can handle. And, if you know, last game he got in a ton of foul trouble really early. The game before that, uh, I thought he played really well. So just let him learn and grow through it. I mean, if you're going to play him, don't hold him back. Like just right. full on. Back what is he averaging? Fire. Minutes wise, about what would you say? If, I, mean, I think he's I up to about seventeen or eighteen now because it's still a little skewed. But I, I would, right. I would say he's getting eighteen to twenty a night is what what their goal is. For the first few games in January, I was watching how he and Ed Davis are playing together, and for a few games, the two of them played the exact same amount of minutes. Yeah, like, one was all you, on the floor. If you with watch, the other. they check yep. in together. They come off together. Sometimes Ed plays in uh, in closing game situations, but they're they're playing a lot together. And sometimes they play the exact same minutes, which I think is really interesting. Yeah, for the season, he's at fourteen minutes. Um, mm-hmm. If you look at it over, let's go last fifteen. Last quick. ten, yeah. Uh, last fifteen, he's at almost eighteen. So, yeah, right. he's he's getting so closer to the eighteen to twenty minute a night, which is what you expect from a backup big man. Like if he's if he's right. hitting those numbers, mm-hmm. then you know they're giving him the they're not holding him back as far as exposure wise. Right, I'd be very curious to know. Um, well, I, I, we can finish. I can let you guys ask the questions, but I'm curious if you guys have thoughts on the trade deadline. Oh yeah, <laughs> like <laughs> about likelihood. I mean, what we what we should, and then what would be likely to happen. I, I think I'm there's very curious. No, I, I think there's. Um, they're, they're both kind of go hand in hand in that. Um, I think the Blazers are likely to make a trade, but I think it's likely to be a small one. Um, Neil yeah. O'Shea in the past has been about capitalizing on um, smaller contracts and moving them to contenders or teams that have holes that want to try to retain somebody. I mean, Mason Plumley last year, obviously the the good news there was getting the first round pick. That was, that was the narrative coming out of that, yeah. tr- out of that trade. Originally Yusuf Nurkic was, I don't want to say an afterthought, but he was not the prize in that deal. Like getting Mason Plumlee's expiring deal to turn into a first round pick was huge. Um, obviously getting Nurkic along with that has been kind of a boon for them. Um, I think you'll see some of the same this year. You've got Napier. who's probably the most attractive um, expiring contract the Blazers have. You, you trade him uh, to a team, they're going to have the rights to be able to resign him. And I, I think that the idea right now is that Portland's probably not going to be able to afford him in the offseason. Right. So if that's if that's truly the case, one, it sucks, because that'll be the third guy that Portland's kind of groomed in that role. Uh, Patty Mills and Tim Frazier obviously being the other two uh, that yeah. they weren't ultimately able to keep. But I'm also happy for Shabazz because go get that money. Um 
I, I think he's going to be a guy that's probably going to get probably around $10 million a season. I think that's just too much for Portland. Um, so if you can move him um, for a pick or for uh, a young wing, uh, I know there's some teams out there that are shopping, some guys that are still on rookie deals, uh, that it's just about finding the right piece. And then, obviously, you've got Ed Davis's deals expiring, Noah Vonley's deals expiring. Uh, I think a combination of those guys, because they're – uh, expiring deals or uh, finishing up rookie deals and, and the rights that come along with them. Um, I think those are the candidates that are most likely to be traded. I don't think Portland's going to repeat the mistakes they made uh, a couple years ago by overpaying to keep guys. I could be wrong about how I'm reading the situation, but I don't think that's what they're going to do. Uh, and I think that's why Zach Collins is getting so much time. It's because they've moved past Noah Vonley. Yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah, I, I, I've, I've been assuming that um, that Davis and Shabazz are the ones who are uh, the the ones who will most obviously help a team that on is the block in immediately. Yep, uh, right. Ed Davis yeah. is, a, is a plug and play veteran. Yeah, and if you're looking for a guy to score off the bench for you, um, who's not going to cost you an obscene amount of money, uh, I think Shabazz is, is absolutely perfect. And I think there's a limit of those guys, which. It doesn't necessarily put him on a on a premium, but I think the return that you're going to get for him otherwise is going to be better this year than others because the market in the offseason is going to be as such that we're typically I think he would get 12 to 14 million for a team to be their sixth man. I think he's going to get less than that because none of the teams have have money right now. I mean, there's just there's just very few teams who would take it or want his services that have the, the money necessary to get him the deal that him and his agent would otherwise get in any other year because of all the spending done over the past two years, if that makes sense. Yeah. So what you're saying is there's uh, even less of a chance we will be able to, to, to trade Evan Turner this year. Yeah, no. The, the, uh, the only <laughs> way I see Evan Turner's deal being moved before his expiration is if a – team is desperate enough to take it along with a relatively good first round pick or he's tagged on a CJ McCollum. And then if that's right. the case, then if you're, you're making that deal, the amount of money that you have to take back is staggering because you're basically talking about $40 million in salary going out. Yeah. So, okay. You guys want to hear my takes on this? Yeah. yeah. Okay. I think it's going to go either two ways. I think it's going to be a smallish, under for the trade deadline, it would be smallish to get him under the cap and it'll involve somebody that I've never heard of. That's the most likely scenario. <laughs> Another scenario, which I think is much more fun is that it would be a PR, a PR move to like, um, bring the fans back who've been a little bit disgruntled lately with those large contracts. And that there will be something that has been in the works like all season long that we have no idea that we don't see coming at all that will feature one of those contracts, probably most likely Myers or Mo, and potentially will bring back a fan favorite. That would be my guess. I could see them doing just like the all out PR blitz. Well, we got rid of this one contract and we brought back Will Barton. I mean, how much love would they get <laughs> if they were able to pull off something like that? 
that. The final thing that I will say that I think is that I do not think that Evan Turner will be involved in any trades. I think Evan Turner will be with us. Part of the reason is because that we can see it playing out now. Everybody knows that Evan Turner needs a lot of time to adjust to a new situation. And every time you just throw him into something, it takes him a long time to get used to it. But then once he gets used to it, like he did in Boston, like he's starting to do here, he becomes a much more valuable member of the team. And for anybody who wants to take him on, they're going to have to go through that whole adjustment period that like was so tough in like Indiana, where he just was never able to like get, he wasn't there well, long they enough found to, the key to his success. really make a, what? You, you just who? need to drive the Blazers. A, I mean, maybe, maybe, the, maybe the guy is ultimately a Blazers fan, but apparently if you drive a truck through his wall and into his pool, <laughs> it turns everything around. It turns everything around. That since since that day, it, but I, he's shooting 57%. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that that might possibly be part of it, but I think more likely it's just that he has a really long time adjusting to transitions, and some people are just like that, and I think that he's like a classic case of that, and now that he's getting used to it, I think he's, you know, I, I think he's with the Blazers for a long time, but we do need to get moving and start to wrap this sure. these, these things up. I'm really curious, Kelly, for uh, people in... I don't, you know, I don't know like what the unwritten rules are. So I don't know what you can tell us or not, but like, are there other like huge NBA fans? And do you win the trash talk battles like on sets when, oh. you know, you're waiting around or whatever, and you start talking about the NBA with somebody? I certainly hope that you're winning the trash talk. I, I'm sure I, uh, I will say I am, even if uh, <laughs> I'm not the world's greatest trash talker, uh, but, but are there others, uh, yeah, who are big uh, NBA fans? Brian Koppelman, who is um, one of the two creators of the show, showrunners uh, and uh, head writers, uh, he uh, he's a big Knicks fan, um, and he was a big Carmelo uh, Carmelo Hayer. Uh, but we kind of bonded over that. There was no trash talk to be had. The Knicks aren't good enough to to <laughs> trash talk about. Uh, but uh, but Dan Soder, the uh, the guy again, the guy who plays Mafi um, on our show, is a big Denver Nuggets fan. Oh, so um, there, there's such thing loyal, as a Nuggets man. fan. They're fiercely yeah. loyal. No, the ones that there are, they are fiercely loyal. They're a lot like Blazer fans, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I was uh, last year. It was great once they, you know, once they gave us Nurk. Uh, I was oh. a lot of crap about that. Um, we are just hoping beyond hope that the Nuggets and the Blazers will finish four and five, oh. and that he, like, we're each gonna. If that happens, we are flying ourselves. To Denver and to Portland, we're going to watch one game each together, um, and I don't know, some some hijinks. Should Does that abound. mean we get more Kelly Ocoin, uh Blazer game lead-ins? <laughs> that was awesome. I don't know if anyone else thought that was awesome. I have a feeling you look like a kid in a candy like, store. What? I was I was so happy. That was. Wait, can you guys was, tell us what you're talking about? Yeah, Dan, you want you you can describe. <laughs> so. Was that was that for the playoffs? I, yeah. I know, so you did the one for when you were in town, right? Um, and that was like what a month before the playoffs. When you no, came? okay. Uh, I actually it was I was coming to um, a playoff to the first playoff game, uh, the, the first game with my dad. Okay. Uh, or maybe it was the the final. Maybe it was the final regular season game, and uh, but there was there was there and, and so Dan Hyatt who's. Um, I, I told you to tell, and now I've just interrupted you. No, don't. You, you, you're the one who was there. <laughs> uh, Dan Hyde, who I've, I've become friends with, uh, um, started with Twitter, and uh, he. But he's the um, 
Um, he's the uh, uh, main producer on uh, Blazer Broadcasting. And he texted me and said, well, if you're going to be in town, I, I see you're tweeting that you and your dad are coming. Uh, do you want to do this promo um, uh, before the before the final game? And I was like, yes. Uh, I had no idea what he wanted me to do. It, it, I, I was sort of, I, I did write to him and say, you realize that, that I'm not actually well-known. <laughs> you watch the show, but a lot of people don't. <laughs> and, uh, and he's like, no, it'll be great. It'll be great. And so he wrote this little thing um, for me to, to sort of walk out on court and talk about how uh, it was like this, the why not us uh, was the mantra. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was it was fun, and uh, but we the, uh, the the weather was such that we um, we had to cancel. My dad had to cancel; he couldn't fly in. I was a day late, but I was like, "Screw it, I'm going anyway." There's no way I'm not going to do this thing that I probably shouldn't be doing, but is going to be insanely fun. <laughs> uh, and then my dad and I uh, scheduled a trip to for for the next week, so we saw games three and four. Um, uh, playoff games, and uh, Dan had me do another one since I was coming out. Where it was like, all right, so the first two games didn't go our way, but hey, we can do this. You know? <laughs> uh, again, I have no idea if it's any good. I just love it. <laughs> I, honestly, I loved it. Like I, when, when okay, I see good. stuff like that, a lot of times it, it can be really corny and cheesy and bad. But because yes. you're such you, you you're, I, I think you're Portland's, you know, Jack Nicholson. I mean, I think you you are that guy, and you can see how much you love the team. Like, if, if you were just somebody who I was just yeah. there, then it wouldn't work. But, like, you well, could, good. you were smiling like you, you have never, you know, experienced such joy. And, I, I, honestly, I was smiling and laughing along the whole time because I'm like, this dude looks so damn happy right now. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, well, the, 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 I think I lucked out because uh, Dan doesn't know Ty Burrell yet. <laughs> I don't know if you know him. From the guy from Modern Family? Yep. From Modern Family. He is the biggest Ducks and Blazer fan. He and I knew each other at the Oregon Shakespeare Festival back in the day. And by the way, he's the nicest guy in the world. Uh, but if he had been around, it would have been like, oh, Kelly, no, yeah, we can we can maybe get you in the game. <laughs> just, have, just, have you, just have you pop in in the background of the promo. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. yeah but, but does he have it listed in the first sentence of his IMDb profile that he's a Trailblazer fan? Because I right? just love that so much. <laughs> it's true. Uh, it's on my Twitter profile, too. I, uh, I, it's love it's a so huge much. part of my identity, I have to say. Well, it's been awesome talking to you today. Thank you so much for taking time out of your like super busy schedule to come and talk to us. Is there anything that you're working on that you want to tell people about? Or um, Shooting Billions right now. We're uh, still in episode eight, um, and we're going to premiere. In, season three will premiere March 25th, uh, and then my other show, The Americans, will premiere um, three days later, March 28th. So... Um, those are the two things I'm working on right now. Ooh, and um, also a little plug. I'll, what's that? So, ooh, PR tours. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but also, if, I mean, for anyone who's, uh, who's, who's listening to you, hasn't yet, um, your, the, the Blazers Edge Night that you guys put on is such a great, great thing. Um, I always buy five to ten tickets, and I hope, uh, I hope everyone listening will, uh, will do the same. Yes, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah, this is the time of the year where we are um, making the final push to make sure that we have enough tickets for all of the kids and chaperones who want to attend. So everyone who is listening, if you haven't already, please consider making a donation, donate a ticket, 
for they are I've, I think in the range of like nine to twenty dollars. You can yeah. donate a ticket. The information will be in the show notes for this podcast, or you can just go to BlazersEdge.com and search on there for Blazers Edge Night, and you'll find all the information that you need to learn how to donate tickets. Dan, you've done your tickets, right? Yes, and uh, I am. I'm constantly working on everybody else to do theirs. <laughs> Me too. Hey, so we should probably wrap this up. It's been great talking to you guys. You can find me on Twitter at TCBBigs. Do you guys want to give your handles and Dan take us out of here? Go for it, Kelly. Sure. Uh, yeah, sure. Um, I am Kelly O'Coin77, K E L L Y A U C O I N 77 on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, the 77, of course, for the year the Blazers won the championship. <laughs> I wish it were my a, a year uh, of my birth. I love that like you were on brand in in every aspect here. It's, it's <laughs> absolutely perfect. Uh, on Twitter, you can find me at dmarang at d m a r a n g. Same as Instagram, because you know it's all about the gram life now. Uh, you can also find me on Blazers Outsiders. Oh my God, I can't believe you said that out loud. The gram life, yeah. You can thank you can thank God. my co-host Shane uh, for, for poking and prodding me. Oh. Uh, <laughs> to uh, to be be all about that gram um but uh yeah you can find my blazers outsiders on non-game days at 7 p.m uh again we'll have some big news coming up about that in the coming weeks um blazers edge night again want to reiterate if you can donate tickets are anywhere from nine dollars to 22 dollars if you can donate please 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 do it this is the full court press time where we're trying to make this happen so we don't turn anybody away we never had to do it we hope to god we never have to so if you have the means Please click on the link. Please donate. If you have any questions, you can reach out to Dave. You can reach out to the ticket providers for the Blazers. Everybody is really, really accommodating. It's a really simple process. Uh, for Tara, for Kelly, again, thanks for joining us, my man. Um, I, I was nerding out this entire time because I'm a massive fan of yours. Um, thanks for joining us. This has been the Blazers Edge Podcast. You can catch us on the Almighty Baller Podcast Network. Download us on iTunes. Set your wherever else you need for your podcast needs, and we'll go ahead and catch you guys next time. Thanks. Thank you.